0: Just say the word, shiplap, and you know I'm talking about America's favorite TV home design couple, Chip and Joanna Gaines. I work harder, not smart. That's true. In 2013, Fixer Upper on HGTV became a phenomenon. Go
2: get them. Show me what you got.
0: Making the Waco, Texas husband and wife household names. Demolition.
2: Yes!
0: 19 million viewers tuned in each week as Chip and Joanna right juggled their marriage, raising four young children, life on a farm, and the highs and lows of transforming rundown houses into dream homes. Oh my! Right God. now, I'm crying. Their popularity and their growing empire, named Magnolia, exploded. Thank you guys. Transforming the town of Waco, tourists flocked to visit their retail stores and restaurants. They opened a bakery, launched a magazine, and wrote seven best-selling books. In 2017, after five seasons of Fixer Upper, Chip and Joanna shocked their fans by announcing they were ending their show. Now, after two years out of the spotlight, 17 years of marriage and a new baby, they're back in a big way.
2: Oh, snap!
0: This July, 2021, Chip and Joanna will launch the Magnolia Network on Discovery Plus streaming service, offering 150 hours of original content, including several brand new series focused on home, food, design, and the arts. They've also added two shows of their own on Discovery Plus. Magnolia Table with Joanna Gaines. Isn't that pretty? And the much anticipated Fixer Upper Welcome Home. We're back. We are back. What? Hello, Chip and (laughs) Joanna Gaines. Hi. (laughs) Gosh, guys, so good to see you. Welcome to Super Soul on Discovery Plus and uh, my garden in Maui, uh, it's great to see you guys. Sorry it has to be virtually this time. We are beaming you in from uh, Waco, Texas, yep. and I hear that one of your restaurants burst a pipe in the recent storm, is, is that That is true, you?
2: yeah, they, I mean, this happened pretty much, it became a bit of a statewide epidemic in the sense that, I mean, pipes were frozen and of course people didn't realize that they were in a pickle until the the ice started to thaw and just like uh, millions of other people across the state, we went into the restaurant with water just pouring out of the drywall overhead and it was because of a a frozen pipe in the ceiling. So it was uh, quite the uh, wake-up call for sure.
0: And, obviously, the whole family survived that, and now you're telling me it's 70 degrees there. So, that's got to feel like whiplash no to doubt. people.
2: I mean, we have gone from one extreme to the other. And then, for just a few short days later, it to be in the 70s has Crazy. been like we were, felt like we were all collectively fighting for our lives just a few short yeah. days ago. And now it's like we're there with you in beautiful yes. Maui.
0: <laughs> but you know what's so interesting about the fighting for our lives. I remember when there was the, the Hurricane Harvey mm-hmm. and all of that major flooding. And I remember so distinctly this Black man being out in a boat hmm. and uh, being interviewed by some reporter and him saying, why are you constantly, you know, out here? You haven't had any sleep. And he said, this is what Texans do. Wow. Wow. This is what Texans wow. do. Amen. So I also noticed from this recent catastrophe, everybody coming together in a way that represents the spirit of what we believe America to be. Did you notice that too? Absolutely.
2: We believe the best in America, period, and we love the state of Texas and believe the best in it. And so I'm a proud Texan, and uh, I was actually a transplant. I was born and raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico for about the first seven, eight years of my life, and Joe was in fact born in Kansas. But we both ended up in Texas. And all that to say is just like Texans really know how to come together when something
0: like this happens.
1: But then the whole country coming together and you feel their support. It just, it was a powerful moment, for sure.
0: Yeah, but I just never forgot, this is what (laughs) Texans do. So while I was prepping for this interview, guys, I gotta say, you have to be the hardest working couple. Your lifestyle brand, Magnolia, is now this huge, I mean, huge empire. And I wanted to know, when you started, Wow. Was this the dream or is this a case of God dreaming a bigger dream for you than you even could dream that, for yourself? For sure. I
1: would say when I think back to the dream, it was the smallest. It was, hey, if I can have 10 customers coming through the doors a day and I get to interact with 10 local women a day, that was kind of my goal. It was never any of this. And so I think that's what, you know, I love about it is I really feel like he birthed this dream in us, and it's his thing. It's not
0: really ours at all. And we get to watch this magic unfold. When you first opened your your, your local design store, uh, when was that, 18 Mm. years ago, you decided that it was going to be Magnolia Market. And I have since learned that that term magnolia, the magnolia tree, all of it has really Mm. deeper significance for, of course, you, Chip, who climbed the magnolia tree, I think. First was it on the date. first day. Yeah, If you've
2: ever seen a magnolia <laughs> yeah. bloom, they're gorgeous and really huge. So, I plucked one of these uh, uh, blooms off of this tree that was over. Well, he
1: climbed the tree. I mean, he had to show off. He used to say that when he had his landscape business, he would climb these trees and he would scale them and trim them. And so, he wanted to show me how he could scale this. Ma- it was a huge magnolia tree. Yeah. So, watching him get up there Well, he he had to show
0: off Joanna because wasn't (laughs) he an hour and a half late for (laughs) the first date?
1: And I'm telling you, if he would have been a minute later, I told my roommates, I was like, I'm not answering that door. If he knocks, if he doesn't come in the next five minutes, we're not answering. So he... He only had about five minutes left, or it would have been over. I,
2: I hate to be ugly and be completely <laughs> transparent here with you today, Miss Winfrey. But Joe, I was like quite the catch. I was really a bit of a player. I don't mean to oh go on and gosh. on about my my love life, but Joe was a bit of a <laughs> oh uh, like the librarian type. You know, you'd pull the pencil out behind her bun, and then realize <laughs> what was behind the scenes was this beautiful, spectacular woman. But she would have waited. I mean, if probably was an hour wait. later than the hour and a half, she. Would have still been waiting on. No, pins and I needles. wouldn't have. No,
1: he stalked me when I worked for my dad at his Firestone <laughs> store. I did these commercials for car maintenance, tires, and repairs. Make Jerry Stevens Firestone. And so he'd always say, here. "If I could just meet her." So he'd come into the Firestone store once a month, and finally we. Bumped into each other, so I would say you were. I was yeah. insta
2: stalking you there before was no Instagram. No librarian,
0: this whole thing. All right, all right, all right. You're... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know what? This thing that you guys have, this authentic thing, is what makes everything that you do work. So, have you taken stock of what the empire entails? Do you all look at yourselves and say? Oh my gosh! Look at what we have done. I know you have this incredible business. You now have your own network and all that comes with that. I think for us, it's
2: exactly opposite. I'd really love to hear your take on that, Miss Winfrey, and I mean that very sincerely. What I'm call me
0: Oprah. Call me Oprah. Hey, Chip, I'm going to call you Chip. Okay. I'm not going to call you Mr. Gaines. Okay.
2: All right. Well, if you'll give me permission, I will certainly take it. Yes. All right. uh, But I'd love to hear your perspective on this. But Joe and I were both so um, ambitious isn't the right word. I just mean hopeful and optimistic and excited that even now, as all these things have come online, I feel like we're going to lose it any minute. We're so grateful and we're so thankful and we're so honored to be a part of this journey, but I definitely feel driven to stay one step ahead of whatever it is well, that feels like it's right around the corner. We
1: have those conversations, but I think in when we're talking in a place where we aren't it's not about the fear. I think when we start in the beginning and think this was a gift that we feel like God handed to us, That's true, that yeah. if, it does, if it does all go away, we're still going to be fine, that it's not ours
2: to begin with. But so I, you think you would fight for it? Like think, if God came down and said, I want it all back, yeah. don't you think there would be a power struggle? It wouldn't be like this voluntary I mean, it, it thing. It
1: definitely wouldn't be easy, but I, I think the way I'm more fearful than Chip, I'm a by nature and so for me to be kind of at peace I think I have to be at a place where if it all goes away we're still just fine because this wasn't ours to begin with
0: yes guys I know this feeling all too well I mean because in the early days rise of the Oprah Winfrey show I was like oh god okay this goes away I'll never get another job in television that kind of feeling because it feels too good to be true I actually relish having made every salary. I mean, I started out making $100 and then got a raise to $115 wow. a week and then I made 10,000 a year, 22,000 a year. So I've come sure. up the ranks and it makes you appreciate where you are right now even more. What makes you marvel the most about where you guys are though? Like on just a regular level
1: is that we get to do this together and that we really like each other like i think the fact that we get to drive to work every day together and we get to tackle these big dreams together i always have to remind myself every day like where it started so that i can really appreciate where it's at what we started with was so minimal we were fighting for our lives from a financial standpoint it felt like every day every day it was like do we turn the lights off and the fact that we're still hanging on together, and it's, it's just a fun adventure.
0: I saw you on an interview, Jonna, you said that getting the intention right helps make all other decisions going forward that much better and changes its perspective. I can relate to that because intention is the foundation of everything I do. I mean, I don't do anything without thinking about, okay, why do I really want to do this? And so how has that played a role for you I think for
1: us with time, we think about the time we have, we have five kids, we've got this business. Anything we say yes to, there's gotta be a meaningful why behind it. It's not just to add it to our portfolio or tackle bigger dreams. When we, can align with the why and get passionate about it, then that gives us the fuel to actually get us across the finish line. So I think the intentional part is the most important thing because that's what gets us to show
0: up every day to do the hard work. And you you all spent a year off camera and then decided to come back and start the network. That year off camera was because of what?
1: Well, there was numerous things. I would say on my side it was, when you're filming for four or five years you you begin to lose the why it's now just this thing of like we're just showing up and i think towards the end we just lost steam we lost the purpose in it we wanted to wake up every day and say this is why we're doing this and i think towards the end it almost felt like it was wagging our tail and yeah. it was controlling us
2: and i remember she and i both said listen if Fixer's is going to be over and let's say it's tomorrow how long do you want to basically push pause on any opportunity that may come from the universe our way. How long do we want to hold off on those decisions?" And she said, 12 months. And I said, you're not gonna believe it. I mean, one year was exactly the the time that I had uh, in my mind as well. So we basically just told our agent to to just take all the calls and, and put them in a folder somewhere and that we would get back to them later. But kind of the way you described it early in your career, Oprah, where you were saying, we didn't know that the phone was ever going to ring again. We didn't know that anybody was going to care about us 12 months right. down the road. Yeah. We honestly knew very well that this could be the end of it, yeah. that this could be just like
0: a chapter it of our life. It was what we
1: were advised not to do, and I think that's sometimes what gets us really excited. That's, I was going to
0: say, <laughs> Everybody, I was going to say, yeah. all of your agents... All of the people who work around you, work with you, yes. like, don't yes. do that. You can't stop for a year and, and come back. And not only did you do that, you stopped and you came back stronger than ever. Mm. And I have to say, what did you all do during Man, those 12 I think months? we hunkered down well,
1: and... Let's, almost, well,
2: let's be honest again. She, oh, yeah. She doesn't love to be transparent and honest, so most of the time she's guarded. Wait, wasn't and I bit...
1: already? No, wait. No. Oh,
2: so we had four, pregnant. We had four children before <laughs> we started filming Fixer Upper. Yes. All the babies were on the ground when okay. Fixer Upper started, and then you might notice, Oprah, we had zero children <laughs> during the five years that we... Six years that we filmed Fixer Upper, yeah. and then as soon as we took that year off... We had had another child. So that's (laughs) what we did. So that's what what you did. But
1: we had to like, (laughs) we had to find ourselves again. I think what happened in Fixer. Oprah, when it first started, we really thought, oh, wow, people in Waco are gonna get to watch us do these renovations. We didn't know anyone outside of Waco would tune into
0: this show called Fixer Upper. And so- Millions of people, like 19 million people, crazy. We actually
2: love our production company that found us from the very beginning, had 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 a really extremely amicable relationship back and forth, but they sat us down early in the process and said, quote, this is gonna be really a niche of a niche of a show. For it to have really connected with people on both coasts, now all over the world, is unbelievable.
1: I think in that process, when the fame thing happens, which that even seems weird for us to say fame, (laughs) but there's something that you lose a little bit. You lose (laughs) normal stuff, like the normalcy of life. And I think in that five years, we never got to deal with that because we were just going. We were filming. Mm -hmm. And then every year we'd realize, wait, more people know us. You know, you can't really go out as much like you used to. So I think what happened is we needed that year to really ground ourselves again as humans and say, this is what's normal for
0: us. Like, that's good. It was important. So, what kept you grounded, guys? This is such a great conversation uh, to have with you, too. I have discovered that fame is just your life is the same, you're the same, mm-hmm. and everybody has an idea of what that is. Yes. It's just more people know your name. Yes. And I think if you don't Know who you are uh, when the fame thing hits, then you yeah. lose yourself. Did you all start to sense that or did you know that you were grounded before you even before the fame thing hit? You were so grounded, had your own life, yeah. the four kids, and you took the time off because you wanted yeah. to reground. Yeah. And actually. I
2: would say I want to speak on Joe's behalf because she would never say things like this, but she is so incredibly wise, so incredibly grounded all the things that you just described is who Joanna is. And to be really frank, I thought that's who I was also. But really what what happened and was the truth for Joe and I was it was no big deal for her. But for me to become famous, I lost a part of myself that was really, it was sad, and I would say it took me a year or two while I was still filming to try to grapple with what exactly it was that I was losing, and then that year off, I really think that Joe and I were able to kind of hunker down and really kind of try to unpack what it was about fame that seemed so incompatible with my personality. Chip is
1: just, he's so relational, and that is what fuels him, but it's that authentic it's when it passes that layer of superficial to then that really genuine, authentic thing. And I think sometimes with fame, oh my gosh, can I get a picture with you? I think that's what maybe eats his lunch more, that it's just, it feels a little more superficial because of maybe who he is more than who he really is. And I think it's important to him, these authentic, meaningful moments, that the more famous you get, the harder those moments Mm. are to come by.
2: Yeah.
0: I love this, what you write in your new book, No Pains, No Gains, Chip. You say that for much of your life, you were a shapeshifter. You were always trying to change your personality in order to fit in. And I thought this was so interesting. You wrote, my imitation act took its Mm. final bow soon after I met Joe. What was it about, Joanna, that made you figure out who you yeah, really wanted great, to be. that's
2: a great, great thought and a great uh, memory to go back to because when I was in high school and pre-high school and then college and young adulthood, I was always trying to be everything for everybody. I mean, it, no matter who I ran into, I wanted to be the most liked human being on the planet. But when Joe and I first started dating, I realized, and she would bring this to my attention, just how many different versions of myself I was trying to entertain simultaneously. And I just remember when she said to me, who is it that you want to be? I remember that we had this really kind of heartfelt conversation. And I said, Joe, I want to be who God wants me to be. Whoever that is in the future, this future version of myself, I want that more than I want anything in the world. And I remember that we had a kind of a breakthrough moment when when that kind of popped out of my mouth. And I don't know where it came from, but I know that there was some
1: That's what I think brought me like that piece of if that's what he wants. I can trust that, but I can't trust if you want to be this or that for everybody. And so I think that did that was a really clarifying moment for both of us.
0: Yeah, you also joked Joanna never wanted the loud guy and you weren't (laughs) looking for the quiet girl either. Is it because opposites attract that you all are so magnetic? This is what 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 we're watching. This is. The, the, the Your oppositeness makes you so authentic, actually. Well, I appreciate
2: that, and I certainly agree with that thought that opposites attract.
0: On our first date,
1: Chip was just talking and talking and talking, and I <laughs> sat there and kind of went away. Like, this isn't going to last. <laughs> he talks too much. And this is when I've heard God's voice more than ever. I heard him say, this is the man you're going to marry. And I, I'm arguing with God. I said, no, it's not. In my mind, way, way in the back, I'm like, no, it's not. This is the man you're going to marry. No, he talks a lot, God. You know, Chip's still going. He doesn't even (laughs) know I've left the conversation. Now I'm like arguing with God. And so for that moment, I knew, holy cow, like my whole life I was attracted to quiet. Chip was attracted to the life of the party. What are the chances we got exactly opposite of what we were attracted to and somehow
0: it worked? Well, you know, Jonna, you've talked about how at different points in your life, You've heard the voice of God, God has spoken to you. And since this is super soul, I want to know how that okay. shows up for you. Is it like mm-hmm. a voice in your head? Is it a feeling? Is yeah. it through prayer? How does God say speak to all you? All three
1: of those things for sure. It's it's always met with this presence of peace. Where anytime I'm wondering, wait, is that me? Because I'm in my head a lot. Like a lot of the times I'm wondering, is that me talking? I will say there have probably been five pivotal moments in my life where I can say that was God's voice. I would have never, that was, that was Him and I felt this sense of peace, almost like that moment where you get chills and you know there's something else. So I think that's something that since I was a little girl, I've, I've experienced God in that real way, uh, very relational. That's why I kind of with the idea of religion, I, I shy away from that. It's more my relationship with God is like no one else's, just like yours with, you know, it's like God is so creative that I can't impose what my belief and what my relationship that I have with him should be like Chip's or should be like yours. It's he shows up in beautiful, unique ways for all of us. I'm very realistic. I need to hear it. I'm literal. And so that's how he shows up for me. And for Chip, it's very different.
2: So Chip, how does God show up for you? How does God... God shows up for me in very practical, real ways. You know, like I work, that's how I meet with God. And when I sweat, and I'm lonely, I'm sad, I'm mad about something. I mean, when you chop firewood, like literally that, or Demo Day, you know, you see this Demo Day thing, you don't have to have any talent to be good at demolition. You just wanna break stuff, you know? And uh, I I think that God meets (laughs) me in those very, childlike, very natural, very simple ways. You know, I'm not a theologian. I don't understand. I mean, I there were years. You know, I, we both grew up in pretty conservative Christian families, and we were brought up in church in the very traditional sense. But I didn't love to open the Bible and read the Bible for hours a day. And then I would go out at my granddad's ranch and I'd get on a horse or I'd get thrown off of a horse or I'd go try to wrestle a cow or I'd go see a cow being born.
0: And I would really feel like I experienced God in those moments. I've interviewed tens of thousands of people over the years. And when you ask people, what do you want to be happy? most times people will say oh i just want my children to be happy joe i read that the reason the whole family works is because you all put the marriage first and everything else comes after that
1: yeah and and i even think but even before that it's one thing i'm so thankful for is that we met each other a little later in life chip was probably one of the oldest of his friends to get married and in that time period it's like we both I know for me, like as a woman, I figured out, you know, I wanted to be as whole as possible with all the stuff. Like, how can I be whole? We didn't want to come to marriage saying, how will someone complete me? But I think as much as we cannot rely on each other to fill us up, that's not our job. It's to come together and partner together, then we're the best for our children. So it's got to be in that priority in our minds, in our heart and in our home that we're healthy and whole so that our children, what trickles
2: down to them is health and wholeness as well. It's like our relationship is what brings us passion and energy and fulfillment. And if Joe and I are out of whack in that sense, then obviously the kids are gonna suffer as a result. And then we think about our business, will of course then suffer as a result of that. And it becomes a compounding enemy that works against us.
0: Joe, you know, I've kept a journal my entire life. And I heard that at one point, you let Chip see your journal where you've yes. written down the dream of Magnolia Market. And you know, I'm a big believer in, in, in that. What mm. happened next? Can you give this? You yeah. showed it to him. I have this idea. And then, you know, I'm such an
1: internal processor and I have to journal every day. That's how I start my day. And that's the only time Chip's ever seen my journal <laughs> is when I said, Hey, I've written down some dreams I want to do. But when I showed it to him, for me, it was a dream. And when I used to say dream, that meant it'll probably never happen. Well, when I showed Chip, he said, why wouldn't you do this? It it was in such a, like a childlike faith. Like, why wouldn't you try this? And I said, oh, I don't wanna fail. What if I fail? And he's like, well, what if you fail? And so I would say a week later, you get one pep talk from Chip Gaines, <laughs> and it's like, I can rule the world. And so the next week I find a building, <laughs> Chip is like, hey, and I mean, it was a tiny little building.
2: Burnt orange, we I had mean, the no ugliest many. building you could possibly imagine. Somehow
1: he gets a loan. I mean, in within three weeks now I own this building. And now the dream that I had dreamed of for years, I'm seeing like happen and play out because Chip Gaines, Coach Gaines said, go for it. And then I'd say the rest is
0: history. This feels like such a perfect, it's an incredible match. You can Mm. see the hand of God all in it, all over y'all, because you wouldn't have been the person, woman, that you are had it not been for him, Mm. and he wouldn't be who he is had it not been for you. In what ways do you bring the best to each other?
2: For me, it's perfectly clear. I was uh, uh, like chasing my tail. I was like a dog chasing his tail in a circle, trying to be all the things for all the people. And I can just beyond a shadow of a doubt quickly say, she grounded me and it's almost like the dog then saw the tennis ball or whatever and calmed down. You know, I was just mm-hmm. such a an idiot and I was just so so anxious and so excitable and my dad used to, you know, in a loving way but was like, man, son, talking to you is like trying to get a drink of water out of a, hey, a right. at a fire hydrant and it was just like it, I was always that kind of energy. <laughs> you know, it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't cute. It was like anxious, anxiety inducing you know, and Joe has just kind of grounded me in this place the where I would say that just it's almost like when when I die or I'm on my deathbed, what I'll say looking back is that I owe you my life because you settled me down. You know, you kind of it's almost like a horse that's wild.
1: Aww. I think that's, I, that's I can tend to again, because I'm more operational, click into like a robotic mode and just show up and do the thing and forget the why a lot of the times forget the joy, to find the joy in that moment. And Chip is always teaching me, if you're not having fun, if you're not enjoying and savoring these moments, then why are you doing it? And he also pushes me to do it.
0: Chip and Joanna are the proud parents of five children, 16-year-old Drake, 14-year-old Ella, 12-year-old Duke, 11-year-old Emmy, and their newest addition, their son, Crew, born June 21st, 2018. In your book, Magnolia Story, you write about how you made the choice to let go of someone else's ideas Mm. of perfection and not just survive, but then to begin to thrive. Survival is something that I think a lot of us, uh,
1: we always try to figure, right, hey, today, what are we feeling? Are we feeling like we're trying to tread above water? Are we thriving in this moment? And I would say when I said that a long time ago, it was when I was, you know, mothering four kids, four and under. Um, and I just felt like I couldn't see straight. I, I forgot what, what was I doing and I was treading Woo! water and I felt like I was in the deep end. Oh my God! But the God, second that's hard. you, that you so shift hard. your mentality and yep. you see the wonders of the things that wake them up, the things that bring wonder to their eye, the, when you start getting out of your head and you start seeing the moment for what it is, which is a gift, it, it changes everything. And I had to have that pivotal moment of, you know, I wanted my house to be perfect, but I have four kids and it was I had white couches. Who does that when you have four kids? Like and so I was constantly trying to juggle this life of perfection but then also trying to be a good mom and I realized that you that my priorities were off and mm. the second I let go of that perfection is when I could truly start living. And it's like now I look back and think I'm thankful I learned that early on cuz mm. now it's just a lot easier to parent when I'm not worried about all the other things.
0: Is it true that since you all have been married and with kids that there has not been a TV in the house? Yeah, this year I
1: tried to tell Chip, we did a little add-on to our house, and I said, Chip, can we please get a TV and put it over the fireplace? And he said no, but from the beginning, Oprah, when we were engaged, we went to marriage counseling, and, and they said, hey, we challenge you guys for six months, don't get a TV. Play cards, go on a walk, and so for six months. we... Well, they
2: left it to us to say how, how long, long we how would long do you it. Can go. And everybody said a couple of weeks, a couple of months. We just came let's back instinctively, it. like we did with the year off of television. We said we want to be without television for one year, and wouldn't that be something? We literally just thought it would be romantic. And at the end of that one year, we said, well, "What about another year?" <laughs> and and we both looked at each other, kind of laughed, and was like, "All right, let's do one more year." And then after that, the people that say it takes 21 days to form a habit those people are
0: liars
2: <laughs> it takes two years to form a habit <laughs> really? but I will say after that second year we've never looked back well how do you how do you watch yourselves this is funny do you when, not watch yourself date
0: nights.
1: when the fixer would be, uh, be on, we'd go to our friends so every Tuesday night wow. yeah. we'd get a babysitter and we'd go to friends and we'd watch it well now with the discovery Plus... and we'd
2: sit and just laugh at me we were like he is so funny <laughs> wait that's me <laughs> I'm funny, You're such a dork. <laughs>
1: um, but now with the streaming, we get in front of my little computer. All seven of us on the couch, and I took a picture the other day to show a friend, and they yeah. said, "You're not joking. You really don't have a TV. <laughs> We've got this tiny little computer, and all of us are trying to see us." And so that's that's how we watch it.
0: My mouth is open wide. I think the
1: irony wow. of having a network and not having a TV—it's uh, no. it's kind of odd, but
0: very crazy. I
1: tried this year,
0: Oprah, and he said no, so I'm fine with that. I want to ask you a few questions. I've been asking uh, other Super Soul guests about life during the pandemic. What did the pandemic teach you that you could live mm. without, and teach you that you could not? Ooh, let me live do without? the can't live without. Okay.
2: Can you do the can live without? Okay. Yeah. Like you feel okay, but am I giving you a I raw deal? I don't know what I'm
1: gonna. I'm just you go. Okay. And then... My
2: thing that I have found that I long for so desperately is just human touch and sincere in-person human connection and relationship. And I, I knew that I thought I needed that, but I have come to a place of like very sincere, passionate understanding that like, I need a hug. Like I need to shake somebody's hand and to look people in the (laughs) eye and tell them I love them. And for them to say they love me, you know, and I I knew that I thought I needed that, but I would say beyond a shadow of a doubt, I now know I need that.
1: What I realized during the pandemic is the time with my kids, like I didn't realize, the gift that it would bring us. Even with Crew, you know, as a little toddler, you know, yeah. we have Drake, who's 16, who's driving for the first time in <laughs> this week, you know, and then oh, you've no, got bro. Crew, who I'm trying to potty train.
0: Are you a nervous wreck every I, time Drake I, goes out? Are you I nervous wreck every app. time you get to... where I
1: follow it. him and it shows how fast... I mean, I've turned into that mom where yes. I'm like, oh, he made it. And uh, she
0: literally burst into tears the day. first
1: day.
2: Like, see, I'm opposite. I'm like a the biggest cheerleader. I was like, dude, you're going to get to go through a drive through restaurant. You're going to get to order your first hamburger by yourself. I can't believe it. This is going to be so exciting. And Joe just thought he was like moving to Paris. I didn't know I would react
1: like that, but it is. I'm still dealing with it. Like, it's like, what? I'm not even a crier, but there's something about that season shift that I feel like I, I hate change. Like I I love the way we do things. I love taking him to school. The connection I have with Drake in the car is our best time together. It's when he's the most vulnerable and real, is me and him in the car, and now that moment's gone. Uh. So I feel like, for me, I'm just grieving the loss of that, but also so excited about the freedom that he's finding as a 16-year-old boy. So it's such a weird thing, but I didn't think it hit me like that. I I told the other kids it won't be as hard with them. It's just the (laughs) first. I had to, like, deal with it, yeah. Get
0: through the first. And now this idea of taking houses, turning them into homes, being a place where literally the essence of the people who live there gets expressed in those spaces, you're going to do that on your network with every show? What is the vision and intention behind Mm. the network?
1: With every show that's on the network, when we are finished watching it, our hope is that when others are finished watching it, that they say, what's untapped in my life? What fear is keeping me from that? Whether it's small or big, it is that idea of, hey, they've inspired me to move forward with Mm -hmm. this. And I think that's our hope, is that when people watch these stories, that they in some way can relate to the talent's vulnerability. When you put yourself out there and you're vulnerable, I think it opens up the door for other people to do the same. There's a freedom in that. So,
2: And those two things, unbeknownst to us because we didn't go after these units, these shows, with this thought in mind. But as they started developing and we started realizing there was a common denominator in all the shows, it was vulnerability and risk. I mean, these people were taking these life-worthy risks, these God-sized risks mm-hmm. in each of their circumstances mm-hmm. under completely different. Each story was different than the next, but we just realized that we were really drawn to those two uh, components. And
1: the more different, the better. You know, I think a lot of people are like, Chip and Joe Network, and we're just like, we don't want it to feel like it. We want every show to feel different and unique in its own beautiful way.
0: Yes, and showing us the possibility. I think, you know, what I come away with anytime I watch one of your fixers, is that, oh, you see possibility in things that you didn't know were there. And then that is a metaphor for your own life, finding possibility for yourself. Okay. I want to ask these little super soul questions for you. When was your faith most tested, Chip Gaines?
2: I would say when we were just on the verge of bankruptcy. And I joke with the, the, our inner circle that the only reason we didn't file bankruptcy, literally and technically, was just we didn't really have enough stuff to qualify. I don't think we could have gone bankrupt. What were they going to do? Uh, yeah, give us the, that chicken. Give us back our dog. I mean, we didn't have any things. And so, I mean, there were just moments to where Joe and I were at the absolute oh, end of our rope. And I think I really did kind of cry out to God in a pretty literal sense and was just like, God, I'm so sorry for this, whatever mess I've gotten myself into here. And, and if you can get me out of this and if you can help me find a way out of this, I'll, I'll be forever grateful. I'll, I'll remember this forever. And I think that the idea that when you go through that type of pain and suffering you can't help but be empathetic and sympathetic to people who are going through issues of their own. And it makes you want to help. It yep. makes you want to be a part yep. of the solution as but it opposed also, to it changed, throwing a rock.
1: It changed our vow, our idea of money. I think for four years we were like, God, help us. Mm. And I think now that we look back, it wasn't that God was like allowing that to teach us a lesson. I don't believe that's how God works in our life. But I do think he uses these as beautiful lessons. And instead of looking at money as a savior or the thing that's going to get us to get to the next level. Well, once I get this yeah, boy,
2: I'll be happy it, then. It was
1: a tool. And once yeah. you understand how to handle and understand money, it no longer, once you get it, it doesn't
0: have that hold on you. I was going to say, it, it doesn't, doesn't have that power. And, and I look over back you. now and maybe that's what that's you it. needed. Maybe that's we what believe you that. needed because yes, we believe yes that. God knew what was around the corner. Besides your work, obviously, your family and children, what do you think is your true offering to the world? Because I believe that all of us come here with gifts of grace and that the work that we do is an offering to the world. What do you think that offering is?
2: It's a deep, deep yeah. thought, deep question. What do you have some thoughts that come to mind, or?
1: I think. Well, I have a couple <laughs> things. of <Joe>
2: sometimes <laughs> likes me to ramble around and just make no, things up ramble. to give her a little time no. to get her <laughs> thoughts together. I wanted beauty. to make sure I didn't step on <laughs> her, uh, her thoughts.
1: I think finding beauty in, kind of, in everything. Whether it's Ooh, in the, like good. I can look back on my life now and all the times I begged God to get me out of this, whether it was when I was little and I was being made fun of or I, and I couldn't find friends, like all the moments I said, God, fix this right now. I can now look back as a 43 year old woman and see the beauty in that moment that I couldn't feel when I was little or that I couldn't feel when we were struggling financially but there's beauty to be found in everything. And I think whether that's a house, whether that's someone's story, whatever it is, that to to look for the beauty, um, that beauty will always rise in the ashes. You guys
0: are awesome. I see why the world loves you so much and the world watches you and they see this well-lived life. So this is my final question. You appear from every aspect of things that we know about you, to have a well lived life. And a lot of people seek to have this well lived life. What is your advice or offering to people who are looking to get what it looks like with the two of you? For
1: us, you know, one thing Chip has always pushed us both on is contentment at every stage in our life having this contentment with, with what we have here, this is enough. I think for us, it's like finding contentment in every stage and not assuming that the next stage will be better, Or the, but, but really kind of savoring that gift and moment in time this season, even if in pain, trying to find contentment there. It's that in every season, it is a well-loved life because we are living and we're breathing and we have this gift of time in our hands. And so for me, it's that right here and now, this is a well-loved life no matter what I have.
0: That is what all the great (laughs) philosophers (laughs) say. Thank you so much. Chip and Joanna Gaines, thank you for coming on Super Soul. And you know what? I can feel, believe that your vision for the network is going to be blessed because you are in alignment Mm -hmm. with that intention. So God bless you both. And we look forward to seeing you